السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام الأتمان الأكملان على خير خلق الله أجمعين وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن سار على سبيله ونهجه ومن استن بسنته ومن اهتدى بهديه إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وقد قال تعالى في قرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم رجال لا تلهيهم تجارة ولا بيع عن ذكر الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة يخافون يوما تتقلب فيه القلوب والأبصار صدق الله العظيم All praise, all thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's allowed us to sit here for a little while to learn one important aspect of our deen. Like how salah is one very important aspect of our deen, zakat also is something that is very important. And sometimes we overlook zakat because we think it's something that is too complex, or sometimes we think it's something for the accountants only to calculate, or sometimes we think, no, this is just a general charity. But very often we don't give that importance to zakat like how we give importance to salah or how we give importance to other aspects of our deen. Sometimes a person wants to go for umrah, nafil umrah, but he learns all the rules, how I must make tawaf, how I must I make sa'i, when I must put my ihram on. He learns all these things for that nafil umrah. But something that is so important and important aspect of our life is zakat. Ask ourselves how much of the masail of zakat do we know? Yet it's something that is so important. And as the time is going and we're seeing more and more Things that are happening from the financial perspective, we look to see one of the issues or one of the problems that is facing our community and our society is the neglect of zakat. And we can see, inshallah, we'll do a few hadiths of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa explaining to us that on one side when a person discharges his zakat, or we can say he discharges his sadaqah, and what rewards and what merits they are for this. There are so many rewards for a person who discharges. And there are so many warnings also that come in Quran Sharif and in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa for those people that don't discharge the zakat. Just to mention a few, just one ayat I'll mention. مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ حَبَّةٍ أَنْبَتَتْ سَبْعَ سَنَابِلَ فِي كُلِّ سُنْبُلَةٍ مِئَةُ حَبَّةٍ Allah Ta'ala says the semblance, the example of a person that discharges. He discharges sadaqah, he discharges his wealth. In other words, he is discharging what is due upon him. is like a grain or a, a grain corn. When we look at this corn of grain, Allah Ta'ala says, أَمْبَتَتْ سَبْعَ سَلَابِلَ فِي كُلِّ سُمْبُلَةٍ مِئَةُ حَبَّةٍ Every, this grain corn, it grows out in its ears, seven ears. And in each ear, there are hundred grains. Person has just put one, how much he has planted? He planted one seed in the ground. And that grain stalk that's coming out now is growing seven ears. And in each ear, this hundred. So this seven hundred for one. Allah Ta'ala is just giving an example. And then towards the ending of the ayat, Allah says, Wallahu yudha'ifu limay yasha. Allah Ta'ala increases whoever He wants many folds. Wallahu wasiun alim. Allah Ta'ala is very, very expensive. Allah Ta'ala is all knowledgeable. You think you're just giving, there's no knowledge. Allah Ta'ala has full knowledge of it. Now just to understand... If you're giving one and you're getting 700, what percent return Allah Ta'ala is offering for one rand you're giving or one cent you're giving? If we take one and we get one in return, that's 100% profit. If we take one and we get two in return, that's 200%. If we take one and we get three in return, it's 300%. Allah Ta'ala is saying, you're giving one, I'm giving you 700 in return. That's 70,000% return Allah Ta'ala is guaranteeing for one rand you're giving in the part of Allah Ta'ala. So much of reward Allah Ta'ala. And then Allah Ta'ala says, Wallahu yudha'ifu li yasha. For who Allah Ta'ala wants, He'll increase even further. So this is our Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, willing to give so much. And on the other hand, when we hold back, we hold back and we want to hoard, then we think it's good. In one ayat Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَخَيْرًا لَهُمْ بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ They don't think that those people that are hoarding and they're holding back, this is good because you don't think that they're saving. By them holding, they're saving. Allah Ta'ala is saying, Bal huwa sharrul lahum. This is very, very evil, very bad for them. Sayutawakuna ma bakhilu bihi yomal qiyamah. That wealth that they are hoarding, that wealth will actually take, will actually coil around them on the day of qiyamah. And in one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he explains this. He says, Man atahu Allahu malan. 
فلم يؤدي زكاته مثل له يوم القيامة شجاعا أقرأ له زبيبتان يطوقه يوم القيامة ثم يأخذ بنهزمتيه يعني شدقيه ثم يقول أنا مالك أنا كنزك ثم تلا لا تحسبن الذين يبخلون One hadith Rasulullah is explaining this ayat and how he explains it he said that person Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with wealth Allah Ta'ala has given this person wealth and now this person doesn't discharge the zakat due on that wealth what happens Allah Ta'ala says it will be turned into a snake that wealth that he thought he was hoarding he thought that was his benefit is actually a major harm for him on the day of Qiyamah it will take the form of a snake on the day of Qiyamah not the ordinary snake Allah Ta'ala is saying it will take the form of a snake with a bald head and two dots lahu zabi batan two black dots above his eyes to make it look even more furious can you imagine if somebody has two dots above their eyes how confusing they look that you got two eyes and two dots person looks at him it looks so scary this is a bald snake that is coiled around the neck of this person on the day of qiyamah and now this thing has got two dots also and then rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says thumma ya'khudhu bilhizmatihi yani shidqihi now what this thing will do this snake will start biting this biting this person on his cheeks coiled around his neck start biting his and it will tell him that you know who i am ana maluk ana kanzuk i am your wealth and i'm your hoard your treasures that you were hoarding this is who i am you thought you were doing good but this is actually what you have done so on the other hand we see how serious it is when a person doesn't discharge his zakat on one occasion rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam saw two women wearing gold bracelets rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked them did you discharge the zakat on these gold bracelets they said no rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said do you wish that these be turned into bracelets of fire then they said no rasulullah sallallahu said then discharge the zakat on these gold bracelets that you are wearing so here we see also that this not discharging of zakat is a very serious thing anyway allah taala has made the system of zakat remember zakat is not a tax people think that zakat is a tax no when a person is taking his car to a car wash and he's paying the car wash for washing his car he's not looking at that payment as a tax he's looking at it as a payment for that washing of my car for that auto valley for my car getting clean and nice and smelling nice and looking nice so this is what zakat is doing is actually cleansing our wealth it's making our wealth clean it's making our money clean it's actually doing us a great favor by us holding that wealth back we are keeping our money dirty by us just charging that zakat we are cleansing that wealth of ours so this is not it's not a tax actually it's a benefit to us by us discharging our zakat now we just quickly compare the comparison between our tax system we got in this world and the zakat system the tax system is something that is man made and something that is man made can never be perfect it's always full of flaws look at the budget speech every year every year the tax laws are changing the tax thresholds are changing the laws are changing the loopholes are trying to be closed every year there's some change that is coming just to cater for the flaw in the tax system and look at the zakat system when was it implemented and see how it is continuing this is the system of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's no need for change rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has brought it over 1400 years ago uh, anybody who's got any tax textbook will tell you that if it's 2 years old 3 years old 5 years old take that book and throw it away but you look at the kitabs that got the laws of zakat over 1000 years old and they still relevant today that is the system of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah ta'ala has got a unique way of taking care that there is no need to keep on changing the laws changing the threshold changing the percentage bringing this tax and bringing that tax the system of allah ta'ala is so perfect so beautiful 2.5% to be paid by those people that qualify to pay zakat creates enough revenue to take care of the poverty of the world really if every person has discharged so much and so beautiful allah ta'ala has made the system just to give you a quick idea some figures Allah Taala has made it such that He pegged the zakat to gold and silver, and this was the beauty. This is the beauty of zakat. It's not pegged to some commodity that can just crash suddenly, and there's no zakat to be paid. It's pegged to a commodity that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala had made it such that it's universal number one, and it's and and it's it'll continue to in perpetuity right up till the day of kiamah. This is the system of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I just made a note of the last five years just to give ourselves. that automatically the zakat system is taking care of inflation automatically the zakat system is taking care in the change in the market demand 
automatically the zakat system is taking care of the health of the economy on its own allah taala has put such a beautiful system just take a look at the well at the, at the nisab amounts in 2015 in the same period in the last 10 days of ramadan we did this program it was 4096 rand then 2016 it went to 5725 rand 2017 we know that the economy also was slightly lower it was 4623 in 2018 4600 2019 4500 2022 now where we are it's currently today we will use the figure 8021 rand allah subhanahu wa ta'ala system taking care of all the needs so beautiful the system is automatically allah subhanahu wa ta'ala adjusts the level of nisab also who has to give zakat and who can receive zakat okay so moving on to go into the various masail of zakat we won't take too much of time on this this was just a muqaddama to say a prelude or a bit of an introduction in zakat what is the meaning of zakat in arabic we see it got two meanings zakat one meaning it has is ziyadati nama to increase to grow zakat means to grow so therefore you say zakat zar'u the corn or the grain has grown so it has grown you say zakat you use that word zakat and it has another meaning also zakat has a meaning of taharat of cleansing allah taala mentions qad aflaha man tazakka qad aflaha man zakkaha successful is that person that has cleansed his himself that has cleansed himself and one ayat allah taala mentions from amongst the favors of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam amongst the ummah is wa yuzakkihim nabi alaihi salatu wasallam came to cleanse us to clean us so the zakat taking these two linguistic meanings incorporates both in our shariat one is when a person is giving his zakat he is discharging his zakat allah taala is causing his wealth to grow yamhaqullahu riba if a person wants to destroy his wealth get involved in interest if he wants his wealth to grow wa yurbis sadaqat allah taala causes wealth to increase with sadaqa with discharging a person zakat allah taala causes our wealth to increase so this meaning is already incorporated in zakat and in terms of cleansing taharat we mentioned one meaning of zakat is when a person gives his zakat allah taala cleans his heart from bukhl allah taala cleans his heart from being stingy from miserly the more he is giving the more allah taala is cleansing his heart and the stinginess is such a thing you look at one ayat of the quran allah taala mentions alladhina yabkhuluna wa ya'muruna an-nasa bil bukhl that those people that are stingy they miserly and they instruct others they command others they encourage others also to be miserly so ulama explain that what is the link one is a person he may see some tangible he may perceive some benefit by him being stingy by not holding back his wealth but why allah taala has linked it would he commands others also to be stingy is because when a person is holding back his wealth and others are freely giving he feels uh, in our language we say he feels lousy he feels upset that everyone is giving everyone is contributing and i'm holding back so waya muruna an-nasa bil bukhl by him encouraging others to hold back he doesn't feel upset he doesn't feel clumsy he doesn't feel lousy but everyone is not paying everyone is not contributing for this cause so it just appeases him so one good aspect or one good thing about a person giving contributing giving and discharging his zakat he's cleansing his heart he's doing a auto valley he's washing his heart from that bukhl from that stinginess so there we see the two meanings of zakat incorporated in shariat okay what is the literal definition what is the definition of zakat the definition of zakat is i'ta'u juz'in min nisab al-hawli ila faqirin aw nahwihi ghayri hashimin bi sharti qat'i al-manfa'ati min al-mumallik that a person discharges a portion of that wealth that allah taala has given him to a poor person or somebody that falls in the category of a poor person he may not be poor so to speak but his situation his circumstances at that time at that moment he qualifies as a poor person we'll explain further so long as a person is not from the family of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would one condition when he gives he mustn't get any he mustn't take any benefit for himself he mustn't get any return he mustn't get a cut i'm giving zakat and i'm getting a cut back i'm getting some benefit for myself i'm giving this man but this man is going to in turn give me a cut he's going to give me a kickback he's going to give me some portion no biqatil manfati min min almumallik that i'm giving but i mustn't take anything in return okay now let's go to the next part the next portion of zakat upon whom is zakat wajib upon whom is zakat necessary who should be giving zakat the first condition is a person is a muslim very important he must be a muslim he must be baligh he must be aqil aqil baligh means he is of age he is baligh if he is not baligh he doesn't have to give zakat 
He may be a millionaire, he may be a billionaire, but he's not balik. He doesn't have to give zakat. So he must be balik. He must be akil. He must be of sound mind. He mustn't be a person that is insane. So he's sound. He's got knowledge. He knows what he's doing. He's educated enough to know that I need to be giving zakat. Or he's not insane. That's what akil means. Next is a person must be hur. Hur means a person is a free person. He's not a slave. So these are the four categories of people who need to give zakat. Now who can and who can receive zakat? Who can receive zakat? So now the next thing is the person that can receive zakat, easier way of doing it is see who is excluded. And now after we know who is excluded, then we know everyone else is included that we can give zakat to. So let's see who is excluded. The first person that is excluded is a non-Muslim. person is a non-Muslim, he can't receive your zakat. Next, so it's important, sometimes people are giving for welfare causes, there's a flood here, there's some calamity there, there's some destruction here. He thinks he's giving his zakat, but if he's going to non-Muslims, it's not, it's not correct, it's not valid. So therefore, the person must not be a non-Muslim. Second is, he mustn't be a Sayyid, he mustn't be from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyids, we should be helping with our lilla money, with our other money, our optional charity, we should be giving them, but not from zakat money. So he mustn't be from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In other words, the descendants of the Banu Hashim. So the next is, number three, we can't give zakat to ascendants and descendants. We can't give to our father, grandfather, great-grandfather. We can't give to our descendants. We can't give zakat to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. So ascendants and descendants are out. The next people that are out is spouses. Husband can't give to the wife. Wife can't give to the husband. So this is the fourth category that is out. Uh, that is out. And the fifth category that is out is a minor whose father is wealthy. A person who is a minor. He's minor, we normally would think that person can receive. But if his father is wealthy, then we can't give the minor. But if that minor's father is poor, for example, a child is a yatim, his father got no money or he got no father, now that person you can give. So you can give a minor whose father is poor, but not a minor whose father is wealthy. And the last category is a, obviously a person who is a wealthy person. You can't give a wealthy person zakat. Who is considered wealthy? person that is considered wealthy is that person that has got his net zakatable amount is equal to nisab. As I mentioned, the value uh, currently is 8,021. For the purposes of just discussing a little bit further, we'll just leave it as 8,000 rand. So person who's got 8,000 rand, his net zakatable value or net zakatable assets, I'll explain to you what this means just now. He's got 8,000 as net zakatable or more then we can't give this type of person because he in chariot he's considered now as a person who's wealthy. In other words, he should be giving zakat, he shouldn't be receiving zakat. So inshallah, I trust that this clarifies. We know who's excluded, who zakat is necessary upon. And now let's go into what assets qualify for us to give zakat. Now this is where a lot of confusion takes place. I'll try and simplify it and keep it very simple, inshallah. Very, very simple. Sometimes people think that I got the money, but I don't have it for 12 months. I didn't have this bank account for 12 months. Should I give? Remember this 12 months, this 12 months story or this 12 months rule applies when a person for the first time he reaches the amount of nisab. In other words, a person for the first time he's got 8,000 rand. Now for the first time he's got 8,000 rand. First time in his life. He's balik now, he's got 8,000 rand. First time in his life. 12 months must pass over that amount. And thereafter, even if the money has come in for one day, he pays zakat on it. He doesn't wait now for it to be to pass 12 months. So long as he's got that 8,000 or more, his net zakatable assets, then he pays on any amount, whether it came for one day also, came for two days, came for three days. I'll explain, I'll give an example. A person had 8,000 rand for the first time in his life. 12 months passed, now zakat becomes wajib upon him. Remember 12 months in terms of the lunar calendar. Very, very important. People make a mistake. Sometimes they work with financial year ends. Sometimes they work with stock takes. Sometimes they work with other dates. But they don't, very often they don't work with a lunar year. Well, zakat we must fix. If we don't already know, ideally the first time zakat, or the first time we had the nisab amount, say it's 8,000 now for example, the first time that date should have been kept. And exactly 12 months after that, say for example it was the 12th of Ramadan, we had 8,000. The next year, 12th of Ramadan, is our zakat date. But very often, most people don't know for the first time when they reach Nisab. Nobody knows. So if we can try and apply our mind to the best of our ability and put an Islamic date and say, to my best of my ability, this is the Islamic date. If a person does, can't even think that, put some date, use it as a starting point. 
pay a little bit extra in lieu of what hasn't been paid for the, whatever date he has forgotten about or the time period that he's forgotten and now fix that date. Some people use 1st of Ramadan, some use 15th of Ramadan, some use Shaban. Whatever date it must be fixed every year, that date must be fixed at Islamic date, not a, a uh, solar calendar date, a Gregorian date. It must be an Islamic date. So anyway, moving ahead. So that 12-month rule, inshallah, I trust it makes it easy. For the first time when a person has got nisab, 12 months must pass. Day after, every year, on that date, say we're using a date of 15th of Ramadan, every year 15th of Ramadan, he must just see what zakatable assets he got, minus his zakatable liabilities, simple as that. On that zakat date, I have come now, 15th of Ramadan, what zakat assets I got, minus my zakat liabilities, I pay 2.5% on that. As simple as that. Now what is zakat assets? Let us look at that. What is zakat assets? So zakat assets are cash, number one, whatever cash we got, whether it's foreign currency, cash in the bank, cash under the mattress, cash under the pillow, cash in the safe, whatever currency we got, whatever cash we got, that falls as part of our zakat. We might ask ourselves, if I got foreign currency now, what do I do? Simple. You see what the market rate, for example, I got 1,000 US dollars. The market rate, for example, today is 15. 1,000 multiplied by 15. Under my cash calculation, I bring 15,000 rands in. So you just convert it to the market value because now you're doing your whole zakat calculation in rands. So the first thing is cash comes in. All cash, whatever amounts he's got. The next, or a person has got, the next thing is a person brings in debtors. Now debtors is trade debtors. Understand what is trade debtors? Trade debtors means you have sold something. You are running a business. You got a supermarket. You got a hardware. Whatever shop you got, or you got a wholesale. You're selling. You sold goods. People are owing you money. 15th of Ramadan came. You're looking to see at this date, who's owing me money for my stock that I've sold. Those are called trade debtors. He brings those debtors in. The reason why I'm saying trade debtors is a lot of time a person has debtors. For example, he's got one property, somebody is owing him rent. Now that rent is not in lieu of goods sold. That is not a trade debtor. So that debtor on the rent doesn't come in at that date. Yes, whatever cash he already got on hand, he brings that cash in. Whatever trade debtors from his business that he has sold, those debtors he brings in. So that I trust makes it clear. So under debtors we'll have something else also called loans. I lent you money. I lent you 100,000 rand. So now that also comes in. The loans given, I bring it also under my debtors' loans. So one is my trade debtors, one is my loans. I bring it in under my calculation. Under this also, sometimes we have paid deposits. Municipal deposits for my light account, water account, telephone account. So those deposits also come in under the debtors. Because those are monies that are owing to me. So those monies also I will bring it in. Sometimes a person may have monies owing to him. Uh, I'll discuss a little bit more. This may get a bit technical. But for example, a person is voluntarily contributing towards the pension fund. Ideally, people, we shouldn't be contributing voluntarily to pension funds because we know that there are a lot of things that are not permissible there. For example, there's interest. There's an element of gharar, uncertainty. Then there's also a bit of gambling involved. But if a person happened now, it so happened that over the years he's contributing to a pension fund, then whatever capital portion means, whatever he's been contributed, not whatever interest came, whatever profits came, no, he leaves all that out, whatever he's voluntarily contributed, that amounts are owing to him. So under this debtors, he can bring those figures in pension because that's owing to him. It's like the loans that he has given, so he brings that in. So anyway, so we did three categories so far. One is cash, one is uh, trade debtors and loans. Okay, sorry, we did two. The third one is stock. What stock have I got in my business? I bring all the stock in. How nice it is, alhamdulillah, nowadays you see that some people actually close their business to do zakat stock take. That I'm just calculating every, it's my zakat, my 15th of Ramadan came, close everything, let's see what stocks I've got. And now also we've got modernized system where a person has got a computer program will tell him exactly how much of stock he's got on the floor. So he knows he doesn't even need to close. So a person got his stock there. And stock, what values do we take? People sometimes just look at the balance sheet and they take one stock figure. No. Remember, firstly, from a balance sheet, that is historical figures. We, for example, working 15th of Ramadan, your balance sheet is done 28th of February. That's already historical figures. We don't want historical, we need today's figures today. So a person, to his best of assessment, he must bring today's figure. But what, you may ask me, what figure? Do we bring cost of the, of the stock? Do we bring the trade price? We normally, we bring the market value. In other words, whatever stock we got on the floor, if we have to sell all that stock one go to one person, 
what value would we put to that stock? That's the value we bring for zakat purpose of stock. As easy as that. If we have to sell all our stock, one go to one person. Remember, stock varies. For a person who's a butcher shop, his stock will be meat. person that has got a, a bakery, his stock will be his cakes and his confectionaries. A person who's a doctor, his stock will be his medication. A person who's selling cars, his stock will be cars. A person who's selling properties, his stock will be properties. So stock will vary according to the business a person is in. So whichever business he is in, accordingly he'll calculate the stock. So this is what stock value. So just to quickly recap, now we're calculating, we brought in our cash. All cash we brought in. Then we brought in debtors, we brought in loans, and those debtors I mentioned were trade debtors. Then we brought in monies that are owing to him, maybe from the pension fund that he was contributing voluntarily to. The reason why I said voluntarily is because sometimes when you work for a company, they, as a condition of your employment, they deduct a certain amount every month and then they pay it over to the pension fund. If it is something like that, then you don't bring it as part of yours because now that amount is not owing to you directly. That amount is some contribution that is done by the by the, your company. When it does come to you at that time, the cash does come to you, then you bring it in. Because here it was some condition they put. You're not voluntarily contributing. They take out the money, they put in. When that money eventually comes to you, now only it becomes yours from a Sharia perspective. Anyway, let's move on. The next thing that we bring is gold and silver. Our jewelry that we got. What jewelry we got? Whatever gold and silver jewelry. The reason why I'm saying gold and silver, sometimes a person may have a diamond ring. Diamond is not gold, is not silver, is not included. Sometimes a person may be having platinum, is not included in this. It's only gold and silver. An easy way to do it is get one of, many of our Muslim jewelers, alhamdulillah, doing a fantastic job. They'll actually wait for you and they'll tell you what the value of your gold and silver is. So therefore you know how much to bring in for zakat purposes as far as that is concerned. If a person has got livestock, that obviously becomes his trading stock as I mentioned. There are different maslas as far as how to calculate zakat on livestock. It, for the purposes of this discussion, we won't discuss it. It's a bit complex. And most of us are not in the business of livestock. And the last thing is, a person brings in his shares that he has. Shares. Now shares, we might ask ourselves, how do we calculate? It can be very complicated. If a person has got shares, remember, he's got an equity ownership in some company. He owns some portion of the company. Now how does he bring? Say I own 20% of a certain company. Let's say it is a private company. It's not a public listed company. It's a private company. So what I do, very simple. I bring 20% of the cash in my calculation of the company. I bring 20% of the stock. I bring 20% of the debtors of the loans of the company. I bring it in. And I bring 20% of any gold and silver that the company may own in. And that now forms part of my zakat calculation. Why? Because I'm a 20% equity owner. But sometimes it happens that I own maybe 10%, 5% of a company that's a listed company. Now, it becomes a bit complex, it becomes difficult for us to calculate. Now, what is the value of those zakatable assets? Now, to contact the company, a listed company, it's very hard to get that information. So, I'll give one very simple rule. One rule, a very simple rule, inshallah, that rule uh, can maybe cover it. Ulama explained, if Allah Ta'ala has given us the heart to do it, then take the market value of the share. Take the market value of the share and pay, bring the market value of the share. In other words, you bring in the whole amount of the share and you're paying zakat on it. But at the bare minimum, at the bare minimum, person should bring 25% of the value of the share, he brings it in. At the bare minimum, 25% of the value of the share. Because what happens is in any company, you'll have the company that has assets that are not zakatable. We'll go through, inshallah, some of the assets that are not zakatable. The reason I mention what is brought in is everything else that is not brought in now from the six categories that we mentioned. For example, property. Property was not mentioned here. We didn't mention property because there's no zakat on property. So the company that a person has got an equity share in, that has got property. So now we don't bring that property in. So that property is not brought in. That, that Obviously, that company may have equipment. It may have land and buildings. It may have other uh, vehicles. All those things are not brought in. So therefore, at a bare minimum, a person should bring in 25% of the value of that share and calculate his zakat. If Allah Ta'ala gives him the tawfiq and the heart, he wants to bring the whole value of the share in, alhamdulillah, it makes it much easier and much more beneficial and easy for him to calculate. Otherwise, trying to get that information, extracting that information from the companies become very, very difficult. So inshallah, in a nutshell, I trust this makes it easy to understand what assets we bring in to calculate our zakat. Just very quickly to go through it one more time. Our cash, our debtors, our loans, our stock, we said, what's market value? 
gold and silver, we bring in shares. And then, now this bring, gives us some, one line item called the zakatable assets. We add it up, these are all our zakatable assets. All we need to do now is minus our zakatable liabilities, what we owing. Zakatable liabilities are very easy. All the monies that we are owing on anything, halal, anything halal that we are owing, that becomes a zakatable liability. For example, I got a, I got a loan to, for, to, to purchase my house. Now that is owing, I got to pay this person, so I pay him. Remember something, why I said anything halal, it's sometimes a person has a bond. And on the bond, he's got repayments that cover capital and cover interest. Sharia, from a Sharia perspective, we're not allowed to deduct the interest. So we only can deduct the capital that's owing on the house. So for example, I got 1,200,000 owing on my house to the bank. Allah Ta'ala save us, we should never get involved in interest. But if a person happened now, he already got involved in it. He's got 1,200,000 owing. 200,000 is the interest portion, 1 million is the capital that's owing. As a zakatable liability, we can only bring 1 million. We can only bring the capital portion that is owing. Normally in business we use a amortization table that helps us calculate what is the capital portion that's owing. We only minus the capital portion. A person entered into some haram deal, some betting he did, and now he's owing some person some money for gambling or something like that, then he doesn't bring in as a zakatable liability. Zakatable liabilities are all those liabilities that a person is owing, but at, at the zakat date, he hasn't yet paid it. So he can bring all those liabilities in. So now when a person brings his zakat assets, less the amount that are owing, he'll have one line item called net zakatable assets. Now this is what I was mentioning. If a person finds that it's more than 8,000 rand, now he needs to give zakat at 2.5% of that value. Say the net zakatable value came to uh, 1 million rand. Say it came to 1 million rand. So a person needs to pay 2.5% of 1 million rand, which now works out to uh, 25,000 rand. So a person gives 25,000, this is his zakat. Simple as that. So he brought in his assets, those zakat assets that we mentioned, lest his liabilities, it gave him 1 million rand, he saw there. So he takes 2.5% of 1 million, and this is the zakat that he needs to give. Remember, zakat, you can give it in advance also. You make near that, oh Allah, I'm giving zakat throughout the year in advance. So when my 15th of Ramadan, for example, comes, it's 25,000. I already gave 20,000. I only got 5,000 balance to give. It's like provisional tax. How a person pays provisional tax? He pays tax in advance. So when his assessment comes, he only has so much left to pay. So we can pay zakat in advance. And when a person calculates his zakat, he can take that zakat now and he can give it to those people that qualify, as we mentioned, that qualify for zakat. So in a nutshell, these are the masail or the maslas that zakat are calculated upon. Remember something that is very important on, in zakat, there's an aspect of tamlik. Tamlik means that when you are discharging your zakat, now I got, for example, 25,000 to pay. When I'm discharging my zakat, I need to make a poor person the owner of the zakat. That's, that's tamlik means to make someone else the malik, to make someone else the owner. So, for example, I want to give it to a masjid. Can I give my zakat to a masjid? No. Why can a, can a masjid firstly become the owner of the zakat? No. Why? Because the masjid can never be regarded as a person that is in need of money. And a masjid can't become, he can't take ownership. So we can't make a masjid, we can't make a fund the owner of it. We can make people, yes, natural people, or people that have appointed other people on their behalf to collect zakat for them. We can make those people, or we can give them the money. So this is a very important aspect. Sometimes a person says, I've got a, I got a feeding scheme, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to call 100 poor people to come and eat. So that money I'm putting is zakat money. That wasn't qualified because you're not making, the person who's coming to eat, he's just eating and he's going. You haven't made him the owner of the food. So if yes, you give him a hamper and you say, this is yours. So you had made him the owner of it. So now that is valid. So therefore we have to be very careful. Sometimes you just see uh, Halim feeding scheme. Everyone is welcome. Zakat funds are used. Now when everyone is welcome, the rich people are also taking. So your zakat is not discharged because you can't give a person who's got more his net in other words, his assets, zakatable assets, less his zakatable liabilities. If he got more than 8,000, he can't accept zakat. And here we're calling everyone to accept that halim and this and that that we're distributing. So it is not valid. Uh, inshallah, I, I trust in a simple nutshell, this explains zakat. Anybody got any questions, we'll take. Sometime with the questions, it becomes a little bit more clearer as to what the laws of zakat are. For a few minutes, we'll take it.
See the masla what a pension fund is, that where uh, you are contributing and your contribution is voluntary, right? And uh, it's not made a condition of your employment, you bring that amount in. Now whatever the company has given you and it's also not, in other words, not a condition, so that also now will be brought in because that will be deemed as a gift from the company to you. It's not something that's forced upon you. The company is giving it to, to you as a gift. So long as you got that two conditions, you'll bring the whole amount in. The problem is where you don't have, say, some, many companies have that condition that it will be deducted before you even receive your salary. So your salary is received net of that amount. If it's received in that situation, then you won't bring it in. Uh, no, you won't pay zakat on it until that money now comes to you. See, yeah, now what happens is after it matures, after you allowed, or the, now you have access to the funds, that will be deemed to become in your ownership. So now at that point what you do is you, you bring zakat on the amount that you have got. And when the balance does come in your position, only at that time, so what amount you have access to, that's the amount you'll pay zakat on in a situation like that. that remember, that's not a voluntary, that is where it was a condition of employment. On the full, a full amount that you have access to. So in this case, you have one-third, you pay one-third of that value. Okay, go for it. No, you pay amount on, the, on, on your capital contribution. So in other words, what you have contributed from your salary, that's what you pay. No. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a little bit of a different topic. On, on, but what you, the maslas that come in the kitab is what you have contributed. The, that capital amount is what you bring in for your zakat calculation. Brother is asking if a person has got a debt and now he's got a debt, should he pay his zakat first or try and pay his debt first? So remember very important is when you do your calculation, and when you do your zakat calculation and you subtract the debt you've got, if you are below 8,000, you don't have to give zakat. Remember that. And if you're still above 8,000, then now you have to discharge zakat. Zakat can be discharged at any time. So the charge, so long as you did your calculation, you got it. Now it just depends. If a person, ideally he wants to get, discharge his debts or fulfill his debts, and at the same time he's got a debt to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he should try ideally and do fulfill both. Discharge that debt that is due to people, fulfill that, and discharge the debt that is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Based on the circumstances, sometimes a person has got uh, money that's owing to people people want that money urgently now at that time you say no I'm not going to pay you I'm going to pay my zakat that won't be the right thing to do what he should do is he should try and fulfill their debt because remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that he's got intention to pay the others so in that situation but where people are telling listen take your time there's no rush in that case he can discharge his zakat also and the people have given him time to pay he can pay them also The question asked is, loans that are given are not recoverable. In fact, that's something that's common today. Allah Ta'ala save us. So, Ulama explained that there are two situations like that. One is where a person is in financial distress. The person that you have loaned to, money to, he's in financial distress. There's hope that inshallah he will repay that money. There is hope. So, in that situation, you'll still bring that loan in. But where a person completely denies, it's also a common thing, he says, no, I don't owe you the money any longer. And there's no way I'm pay, repaying this money. It's, there's, it's inconceivable that I'm going to repay this thing. I can't repay it, number one. Or number two is, I don't owe you, blankly refusing that he owes you. In that case, you don't bring the loan in. So these are two seconds. When a person is, needs a little bit of time, respite, then you'll bring that amount in. Where a person is denying it, or it's, it's not going to be recoverable at all. In a situation like that, a person doesn't bring that in his calculation.
The question is where you give somebody zakat and now that person wants to spend something on you. So long as at the time of giving the zakat it was not a condition that you need to give me a hamper, you need to spend on me. You didn't make it a condition. You gave it to him happily and he also took it. Later now he wants to spend on you, he wants to give you a chocolate or something. There's no harm at all. In fact, it's good sometimes to take a chocolate from a person like that to keep his heart. Otherwise, he'll feel bad that because I'm a poor person, you don't want to take from me. So long as it wasn't a condition at the time of giving it, so then you can take. And it doesn't become a general practice also. If I understand the question, you know, which nisab are we going to use? Ji. So what the, the ulama explain is that uh, we look to see generally what's anfa'lil fuqara. Anfa'lil fuqara means what is most beneficial for the fuqara, for the poor people. So therefore we find that our different organizations, our jamiyats, etc. When they're calculating, they give us one nisab amount. They look to see now which amount is the most practical. If they're going to go with the amount that is too high, with the nisab amount that is too high, what it means is that only people that got so much of money they must give. And now people that are receiving on the other end, they are people that are receiving who got a lot of money. So looking at what is unfair, what is most beneficial, therefore they give us our nisab amount and accordingly we calculate our nisab. Good, good question. See, the question is just to, for, for everyone to understand. Is sometimes when you give a zakat donation to an organization, they'll give you a section 18A uh, exemption, section 18A uh, deduction that you can claim because they qualify, that organization qualifies for this purpose. Now that deduction that you're getting is some financial benefit to you. Can you get that financial benefit? The answer is yes, you can. And you might ask me why. Remember something, the tax that you are paying, the tax that we are paying is a zulam. It's a separate tax that we are paying to the government, not to some zakatable person that's receiving it. The taxes that we are paying to the government is a zulam. Anything that can help us reduce our zulam, our taxes, is so long as it's from a sharia perspective, it's acceptable, we can use it. So here we're giving our zakat to an organization, they're giving us one certificate. That certificate is allowing us to reduce our taxes. No problem, we can reduce, because that is a zulam amount that's up, up, upon us. The organization is giving us a, a form, a certificate that's allowing us to reduce that zulam that's upon us. By all means, we can do that. We are not taking any benefit from the zakat directly. We are actually just using the certificate now to help us reduce a zulam that is upon us. So it, yes, yes. Correct. We, what we've done is we've given our zakat, alhamdulillah, what was upon us, we've given us. Yes, we're using one strategy to help us reduce that zulam upon us. And really in our country, if you look at it, 100%, you don't, need, you don't even need to be a rocket scientist, you don't need to be an accountant, nothing. You can see the amount of stealing that's taking place with public funds. You can see the abuse and the misuse of that funds. And now the taxpayer has to bear the brunt of it. Every time the petrol price is going up, the levy is going up, the tax is going up, this is going up, that is going up. So a person is being hit with all sorts of taxes. So here he's getting a certificate from an organization that's helping him to reduce the zulam that's upon him. By all means he may, he has just paid his zakat, he's handed his zakat, but here he's getting one benefit of reducing. Ulama give an example like this. A person comes to rob me and I've got... I got money in uh, in both my pockets. I got money in both my pockets, and I got, say for example, ten thousand in this pocket, that ten thousand in that pocket. So now, when a person is coming to rob me, or uh, wrong example, I got say hundred rand in this pocket, and I got ten thousand in that pocket. I put my hand in this pocket, and I give him hundred rand. I say, take this money, and that's all I got. Uh, now, will he be accused of speaking lies? Is it something wrong? 
No, he's just saving himself from the zulam of that person who's putting him in a position where there's zulam. So he's taking that hundred and he's saying, that's all I got. Meanwhile, in the other pocket, what he's got? He's got ten thousand. So yeah, like this, he's taking that certificate that he's getting. He's saving himself from zulam. Actually, that money that he's giving is his money, his rightful haq that is. The government is taking it away by force. He's like that person that is coming to you with a gun and wants to take the money from your pocket. You're telling him, no, this all I got. So therefore, even in a tax return, I shouldn't be quote, nobody should quote me on this. But sometimes from a Sharia perspective, if a person is putting a less amount, will he be accused of lying? He's like that person who's taking that hundred and saying, that's all I got. From a Sharia perspective, he won't be getting guna for saying that. Why? Because he's put in a situation where he's being abused. There's zulam that's taking place upon him. So therefore he's saying that's all I got in his giving. So it's like that when he's putting in his tax return. Or here he's trying to reduce his taxes by using that certificate that he has given. Good, good question. Brother asking, what about the turnover figures? What of the income figures? Remember the reason when I started this talk off, I mentioned what we must bring in. So I'll just quickly mention again, we mentioned cash, debtors, stock, gold, silver, shares. So we'll notice nowhere here we got turnover. Remember turnover, zakat is asset based. And turnover is something that's revenue income based. So therefore we won't bring the income in, but rather we look to see at that date, how much cash I got, at that date, how much stock I got, at that date, how much loans I've given. Understand? So we look at what we got in terms of assets, zakatable assets, and we bring that in. We don't look at our income, doesn't matter how much we generated. We just look to see on that date how much of these assets we've got. Okay, so so question is whether a brother can be given or a brother's children, nephew, etc. Remember, upwards, downwards can't be given. Ascendants, descendants. Upwards means father, grandfather, great-grandfather, descendants, son, grandson, etc. Children, their children. Sideways, yes, you can give. Sideways means you can give your brother. And in fact, from a Sharia perspective, as the Sheikh Zakir mentions also, that it's more rewarding to give your family members that I need. A person will get double reward. One is for helping a family member and the other is for discharging the charity that's upon him. So therefore it's good to actually give family members. So when a person is discharging his zakat, look in our family to see who is deserving and give them first. We give them first, inshallah, there's more rewarding than going and giving outside people. And giving locally also becomes more rewarding than giving externally if the need is there locally more. If there, obviously if there's a genuine need outside somewhere else, then a person gives, there's no harm. Shall we take uh, two more questions if you wish? Yeah. It's alright. No, son in law you can give, inshallah, no problem. Because he's not your children, you can, you can give son in law, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, no. He's not going to daughter. It must go. Sharia, in, Sharia is very beautiful in the sense that every person is, has their own identity. Every person is a person in themselves. In other words, the son is a son, daughter is a daughter, son-in-law is son-in-law, daughter-in-law is daughter-in-law. You do, you don't, sometimes we look at it in our understanding as one, one person. And Sharia are completely separate, complete, you know. Brother is asking a question that sometimes you appoint an organization or you appoint a person to pay zakat on your behalf. Now they take the money and what they do is they charge a handling fee. They charge a portion of commission. So they're taking that off your zakat. Now that is not something that is correct, right to do. Because remember that commission that they're taking, they may not be recipients of zakat in the first place. They may be wealthy people that are taking the commission. So that zakat money of yours hasn't gone to an eligible person. So that shouldn't be done. When a person is given your zakat to give, he must give that full zakat. In, a, in other words, 100% of that zakat needs to go to those people that are eligible. Yes, if that commission is taken and given to eligible people, then no problem. 
because the zakat is still going 100% to people that deserve zakat and are recipients of zakat. What is what the minimum zakat payable on cash? Zakat is 2.5%. Or minimum cash. Again, as I mentioned, that you bring all your assets in, if it comes more, and you minus your liabilities, if it comes more than 8,021 rand, then you pay 2.5%. So does your cash can, in that calculation, your, your cash can be 1 rand, it can be 10 rand, it can be 1 cent also. But you look at the net amount and you pay on that. Fitra. For Sadaqat al Fitr? Good, good question. Can, can zakat be paid in kind? Kind means you're not taking cash, but you're taking a commodity like grain. A person is paying it with uh, dates. A person is paying it with other type of commodities. So he's not giving. So even if stock in our business, if we don't pay zakat in cash, we can pay it in kind. Yes, you're right. You can pay it in kind. Look at the value of that date. Look at the value of the grain. Look at the value of the stock. And accordingly, if your zakat payable now after calculating 2.5%, for example, is 25,000, take stock worth 25,000 and give it. Not redundant stock, stock that is not selling, but stock that we would like to use, good quality stock, fair, average quality stock, take that and distribute that. So you can give it in kind also, and you can give it in cash. Okay, okay good question. The recipient that we're giving it to, must we tell them it's zakat? No, it's not necessary to tell them it's zakat at all. In fact, you can even tell them it's a gift. And it's good to tell them it's a gift also, so they don't make them feel hurt. Tell them I'm giving you a gift, so they feel nice that this person is giving me a gift. There's absolutely no need to tell him. So long as the zakat is discharged, what name we give to it is not important. To make a person feel nice, you can tell him it's a gift and give it to him in that way, inshallah. Good question. That how do you know a person is uh, mustahik? How, how, how do you know if a person is worthy of accepting zakat? It's not a very easy thing to do. Ulama explained that we need to do a sarsari investigation. Sarsari means at a face level. That basic investigation, not a detailed forensic audit, ask him for his balance sheet and send somebody to his house to investigate. No, we don't need to do all that. Do a basic investigation. You may know that he's linked up with two or three people that know him. Some friends he's got, or people that deal with him, people that are in his masjid, the imam of his masjid. Do a basic investigation, ask these people. If they come back and say, no, this person is a deserving, then you can go and give it, inshallah. You don't need to do detailed investigation of every person. Also, this is a bit of an abuse. Sometimes people just go suddenly into people's houses randomly and they just start uh, demanding that they want to see everything in the house. Then they take and destroy the respect of the person also. Yes, we do a, we do a sarasari, just a face level check. We make some inquiries. We don't be reckless also. But we ask responsible people that may know this person who will guide us and accordingly we can distribute, inshallah. Yeah, you see, again, zakat, can zakat be given to a son, direct descendant, uh, to pay fees? So it's some family, not the son. Oh, okay. Gee, gee. See, in Sharia, every person is treated as a separate person. So when you're giving someone zakat to pay his fees, and this person is balik now, right? So this person is balik, you can give him his zakat. And so long as he's worthy of receiving zakat, you can give him that money to pay his fees. There's no harm. Okay, can can amount, good question, can amount be paid directly? Sometimes people want to pay a poor person's light account, his water account. They feel if they're going to give him the money, he might just splash it. So the way to do it is get his permission. Remember, very important, get his permission. Listen, do you give me permission to pay your light account for you, your water account? Do you give me permission to pay your fees? If he gives permission, and then you do it, it will be discharged. Because you got the person's permission to do it. Last question, Shalji.
Brother asking a very important question. In fact, this affects estate duty also. Not estate duty, but our estates also, our miras, it, it affects our inheritance also. Very important. People, husband and wives these days, they say, especially when you're young, when you're young, then you're not so intelligent. Then we say we're pooling our money together. Husband and wife open one account, one investment account, and put all the money together. Remember from a Sharia perspective, it's very important. Very important. Husband needs to know what's his, wife needs to know what's hers. So even if we're using one account, we should know, for example, if we've got 200,000 in an account, 100,000 is mine, 100,000 is my wife's. 150,000 is mine, 50,000. We know exactly the reason for this is, the day I die, my estate needs to be wounded up according to what amount I had in there. So from a zakat perspective also, it's important, if you're pulling up funds, you need to know in that fund how much is yours, how much is your wife's. It must be very clear. Once that is known and becomes easy, you bring that amount in. Just to just pull up funds like that can be very dangerous. Later in life, especially when these disputes that happen, arguments that happen, you see people going through so much of difficulty, emotional, psychological problems. Now there's problems because they were naive. They kept on pulling funds, putting trust, bringing companies in, joint assets. Now to split that thing becomes very difficult. So very important. In our homes also, it's very, very important that we have exactly what's ours, what's our spouses. So at the time of death, Allah Ta'ala give everyone long lives, give everyone afiyat. But at the time of death, it becomes very easy for the people that are handling the estate. They know exactly what's the person who passed away, what belongs to his wife. There's no dispute amongst any of the heirs. Inshallah. Last question and we finish up. Okay. Later, after that I'll take yours. He's saying that he's collecting zakat from many people. Who should the zakat be given to? Again, here the zakat should be given to poor people. And we mentioned who qualifies for zakat. Those people who you take all the zakatable assets, less the liabilities, comes less than the nisab amount. Currently it's 8,000 rand, 8,021 rand. If it comes less than that, this person is owing. In other words, he's got less amount, you can give him zakat. So look for those that are in need. Yeah, yeah. Whoever, whoever is in need, whoever needs money, and a person, in terms of giving preference, you'll give preference to these people that are more in need. So sometimes a person, for example, is a poor person and is a musafir, so you'll give him preference. He's a, he's a poor person and he's a yatim, you'll give him preference. He's a poor person and he's destitute, you'll give him preference. You understand what I'm saying? So you'll give them preference because they got an additional issue that Sharia encourages you to help them. Okay, the question is a person, no, it's a good question. It, it. Gee, very good question. The question is, he's traveling, he's a musafir, and now he's got no access to any money, he's got no access to anything, he's stranded, and Haji Abdurrahim Kazi comes and said, yes, zakat for you, can he take it from him? Very good question, Alhamdulillah. So one of the things is, when a person has got no access to money, he's a musafir, uh, it's something that's hard to understand in our time and age, because wherever you are in the world, you've got some access. Especially a wealthy person, he's got access. He can make one phone call, he's got his credit card with him, or he can contact somebody. But say, assuming he's in such a place where complete bundus, he's got no access to anything, now this person can receive zakat, because now he's standard, he's completely no access to funds. He'll be regarded as a poor person from a Sharia person with a zakat perspective. He can't receive funds because he's got absolutely no contact, no access. But I'll still advise that person who's taken that zakat. When you get back to your place, you're a wealthy person. Take that money now and give it to some poor person. Just as a token of appreciation, Allah Ta'ala has given you so much. Allah Ta'ala has blessed you so much. Take that money now and give it to someone else who is more worthy of, of taking the money than you. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq, inshallah.
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله ولك الخلق كله ولك الملك كله على نعمته وسره لك الحمد ولا نعمه الايمان ولك الحمد ولا نعمه الاسلام ولك الحمد ولا نعمه القران ولك الحمد ولا نعمه الزوجات لك الحمد ولا نعمه الاولاد لك الحمد ولا نعمه الكثيره وعلىك الجثيمه لك الحمد على ان جعلتنا من خير امه اخرجت الناس ولك الحمد حتى ترضى ولك الحمد اذا رضيت ولك الحمد بعد الرضا اللهم ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا انك انت التواب الرحيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله